Discussions Podcast. Dope Discussions. Gave the Erica woke discussions. Mob ties, how they rock and think they both was cousins. Gifting you with their words so you might know you something. Just go and look for them live. They do it every Sunday. Every Sunday. Yeah, we gon' bring you that dope. Yeah, we gon' bring you that dope. Get a beat, baby. Make state to state, baby, coast to coast. Like the vibe, baby, spark to joke. Yeah, we gon' bring you that dope. Don't talk with Erica, man. Talk with G. And all you gotta do is talk with me. Yeah, we gon' bring you that dope. Yeah, we gon' bring you that dope. New episodes every Monday. Dope discussions with Erica and Gator. Hey, 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 beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of Dope Discussions. This is your girl, your host, Erica, bringing you another episode with my co-host, Gator Live. We got some fun for y'all tonight. We're going to be talking about the beer gang obsession. Ladies, why are we so obsessed with the men with the nice beards? Um, I got to be honest with y'all. I'm a part of the beer gang obsession myself. So we're going to have a lot of fun with that topic. We're going to be talking about what is it about the beers that make the ladies go crazy. Um, We're also going to get into a discussion about narcissists and having to be able to co-parent with a narcissistic person. The difficulties of that and the pitfalls of that. We're going to be talking about how you can avoid those pitfalls and how you can coexist and parent with a person who has those toxic narcissistic traits. So y'all come on back, you know, go get whatever you need, get your drink, you know, get your food, whatever you need, and just come back and join us when we're about to get into it. I'm a coffee or my tea, so I'm just getting off from work so I can be a little bit more mellow. That's what it was. I was going to try a little bit more mellowness and see how that works. I'm only going to take one shot of whiskey, not two or three, just one. (laughs) You drinking Gentleman Jack? Right. Well, no, no. Today, I'm actually, this is a repeat of yesterday's podcast drink sponsor, um, Evan Williams, Kentucky Bourbon, number one distiller in the country. (laughs) That's one thing, like when I was drinking, I got. Brown liquor just has never been my friend. <laughs> I would you say brown liquor has never been your friend? <laughs> I had to figure that out that I had to stop drinking brown and go to white liquor because brown liquor do something different to me. Like, oh, Lord. <laughs> brown liquor make me paranoid. Like, I remember being in the club drinking and then I would start making up scenarios in my head of, you know, this person over there looking at me or 
that person stepped on my foot. It was never good. That oh, was not wow. good. Oh wow! So was it was it one of those things where it was just brown liquor? Oh, by the way, I'm gonna go ahead and do. I am gonna go ahead. Are you gonna do any lives today? No, I had I had all intents to do me a live today, but I didn't get back in time enough oh, to okay. get my, myself really set up to do the live. So trying to get all pretty and stuff, get all yeah. <laughs> I ain't going live looking any kind of way. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna do one, but it's just gonna be kind of like a um uh I'm gonna kind of break it up. Like I might do it for like 10, 15 minutes and then go off or whatever. You know how I do. But uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, was it only brown liquor though? Like yeah, I drank. I, I tried Crown, um, Hennessy, um. Any brown liquor. And then I had one real bad incident. This was way back, I think, in, in my 20s. And me and um me and an ex-friend of mine, we were roommates at the time. And I remember um she had her boyfriend over that night. And so me and her wasn't hanging out. It was her, her and her boyfriend was in their room, you know, closed up in their room. So I'm just in the house by myself that that night bored not knowing what to do with myself so i go in the kitchen and i mix me some red kool-aid with some um what's the name of this brown liquor um it's gonna come to me it's gonna come back to me because i sat there and drank that mixed that with the red kool-aid and the next day I was sick as a dog. Oh, wow. I mean, That's part of the problem right there. You can't I can't smell food. <laughs> Any smell of food made me want to vomit. I had a crazy headache. And I was like, I'll never, God, please just get <laughs> me through this. I'll never do that again. Like, Lord, if you and just I, let I, me I, make I, it through I, this I, one I, time. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what was that brown liquor. You know what the problem was though. You mixed it with the Kool Aid. That's the problem. I know. I know. That's what the problem was. <laughs> Can't mix no brown liquor with no Kool Aid. <laughs> you know, you can only do white. <laughs> you know, hey, but you know what though? It's 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 funny that you that you say that though about brown liquor because it there is you know how they say you never mix your brown and your and your white I, mm-hmm. I, I know that for a fact that is not a good combination it will definitely have you thrown off and thrown sick somewhere throwing up everywhere it's, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous so you know I try to stick with my brown every once in a while I'll go ahead and and get on white like back in the day it was a gin thing you know I would always be on the gin. You know, trying to get that 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 thing going, then it became more of a mellow thing, more the vodkas and stuff. But I, I don't mind brown. Brown brown's brown's my go-to. Brown's definitely my go-to. I actually this and this was probably one of the most embarrassing times of my life. I got put out of a club. What? Wait a minute. Brown liquor, and I got into it with my son's father. See, I don't believe you. You 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 got put out the club. I got put out and, and told to never come back. Oh wow. I thought that only happened to me. So you got 
<laughs> so wait a minute. So why did they? So you got into it? Yeah, and because he throw you out. Because yeah, because he was there with another female. Mm, one of them scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Now, let me guess. This was not a female that you anticipated him being with in the club. I didn't anticipate him being with any female. He right. didn't have with no one. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Let me go ahead and XO this right quick. <laughs> <laughs> You know, hey, I'm 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 one of those people who I I like to go to the club, I like to dance, I like to do all that kind of stuff. But the club just seemed it seemed like every time I walked in the club, it was kind of it was drama. So I tried to stay Ooh. out of it. Last time I can remember going to the club, I was I was very tipsy and I was popping locking against some Asian guys. Popping a locking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was a wild night. I can't uh, believe you. Yeah, that was that was that was a wild night. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, but but hey, you know, I, I was one of those. I like to when I go to the club, I like to have fun. I'm not one of those people who gonna stand on the wall or nothing like that. I'm gonna go ahead and get out in the middle of the dance floor. I used to get out there and. Uh, my partner Jay used to he used to love going to the club with me and he used to hate going to the club with me. Cause I'll be <laughs> on the dance floor. First of all, I think I'm Superman. I could I could talk to any girl in here. I used to try to pick the best looking girl in there. Say, say, let me holler at you. Let me, let me try to, you know, try to come up with some line that was gonna be just so smooth that she'll be like, oh, okay, well, it's or, or either that or so corny that she'll give me a chance. You know what I'm saying? Right. But uh, I'll be on the middle of the floor dancing. I'll be taking my braids off my hair while I'm dancing in the middle of the club. <laughs> <laughs> my partner pulled me out. He pulled me to the bar one day. Gee, man, you just got your braids done, bro. You just taking them out. What you doing taking them out on the dance floor? Hey, it used to get wild. It used to get wild. That's crazy. You know? <laughs> It definitely used to get wild, man. I used to love getting in the club and, and acting up. I mean, because it's fun. You know, That's that was the whole purpose. The one thing I will say is that as I got older, I, the club just didn't do anything for me because I realized that I could turn up my music at my house. I can get tipsy at my house. And when I get tipsy at my house, I ain't got to worry about getting no DUIs. I can just pass out right there on the floor and it not be a problem. <laughs> my thing was I love to dance that was my thing for the clubs dancing like you know yeah if you're like a shy person and then you know and that's how I was I was a shy person but you put the right music on the music could take over oh yeah oh yeah especially oh especially in Louisiana back Mm -hmm. in the day because it was something about the music that from there, you know, the bounce and all the other stuff that'll just get you. It'll, it'll put you in that zone, you mm-hmm. know? I used to go to a lot of clubs where, you know, like Vibes and those clubs like that where, you know, hey, you play certain songs, you know, you can't play certain songs because you know they're going to start fighting as soon as they start playing, <laughs> you know? I mean, one of my worst nights in the club, I, you know, they were, what, what songs, though? Oh Lord, that old CeeLo 
Who say die? I'm going to never say die. You can see it in my eye. Oh, Lord. They played the first few notes of that song. They was fighting. <laughs> and I mean, I was trying to get, I already knew what time it was. I started trying to go for the dough. Here come the pepper spray. I'm like, oh, Lord. I need to start coming in here with a gas mask on. <laughs> Man, um, Lil John, when Lil John was out with the East Side Boys, they oh, used yeah. to cause a lot of fights in the club. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That. Uh, that little scrappy, you don't want no problems. Yeah, <laughs> when that they, was great. I, I still like to listen to them in the club. I mean, in the gym. I'm yeah, saying you were I'm, telling me that you were telling me you like to hit them up in the gym, get you hyped up. Oh yeah, and all that crunk music that'll keep you on the treadmill. You'll be looking at the treadmill like, what? I've been on it that long. <laughs> you know what I like to play? Don't laugh at me. Know what I like to play when I'm working out? And especially, like, if I do, like, I told you I just did those shifts for flex. Mm. I like to play wrestling music. Like, wrestling things. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, the, the music they play when the wrestler's coming out to the ring. Yeah. For some reason, that'd be the... <laughs> That'd be the music. <laughs> you know, like you hype, like I'm ready to go in here and body slam somebody. Whatever gets you hype. <laughs> really you hype. It really will. You know, some of that old John Cena, some, uh, what's the other one? Old Batista's music they used to play. Uh, uh, Booker T stuff that he used to play. I mean, it was, yeah, I used to be deep in it. You know, when I started that wrestling podcast, that's one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm ready for. You know, to do some some wrestling music intros. <laughs> you know, yeah, that should be dope. That should be dope. Don't yeah, discuss somebody to talk with them, talk wrestling with, because you don't watch wrestling, and, and DJ don't watch wrestling. <laughs> I, I I equate um, I equate wrestling to wrestling is to men like soap operas are to women. Yes, they are. They very much are. Like, like if you listen to the podcast, you said with the podcast yesterday when we were talking about that fall from grace movie. That's what I yeah. equated it to. I was like, basically, it's it's you know that movie has a clear cut bad guy, clear cut good guy. It's like wrestling used to be back in the day. There were no ambiguous characters. There was Hulk Hogan and there was the Iron Sheik. There was good versus evil. And it made it easy to follow and it made you get more into it. You know, it made it, it was it made you um it made it affect you more. You know what I'm saying? You were, you know, pin you were just like on pins and needles. Oh, is he gonna get out of here alive? Is he gonna, you know, is he gonna win this match? Blah blah blah. Same thing with that Tyler Perry movie. I think it was just like you was on pins and needles because you know there was a clear cut good guy to root for and a clear cut bad guy that you wanted to see get kicked in the butt. Right. Right. You know? So I think that's what that's what a lot of people gravitated to it with. <laughs> yeah. Well, we gonna get this thing kicked off. Get it going. Don't- Listeners, this is your girl Erica. We're back with another uh, dope episode. Got my co-host here, uh, Gator Live. Holla at the people, Gator. Gator Beater, baby. What's going on, all ladies and gentlemen, Potthouse and Scallywags, everybody out there in the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in. So what what's new in your life, Gator? What you got going on? What happened this week? Was it was it was it uh was it an awesome week? Uh are you thankful? Uh, oh, I'm always you know what? I'm 24-7 thankful. Thankful for the week. Mm-hmm. Always thankful for, you know, being able to to wake up and breathe again. You know? I mean, the events of today really should make people 
you know, really grasp onto that concept. Like tomorrow's not promised to you. And every day that you wake up, you should be thankful for that you were on God's list that morning. You should be thankful for the breath that you have in your body. You should be thankful that you're able to interact with that friend of yours at work and that butthole coworker you have at work. Because guess what? There are some people who won't have that chance tomorrow. So, right. you know, I'm, I'm always thankful. I'm always, you know, I'm always feeling blessed. With that being said, you know what? This was a hard week at work, and I was ready to just throw the whole job away. I'm not even gonna lie. So <laughs> I'm, I'm glad <laughs> that a new week is coming, and it's gonna be a week that I promise is gonna be a lot better than last week because it don't get much worse than it was last week. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I want to send out my um heartfelt condolences to the Kobe Bryant family. Yes. Um, yes. That that that. That's something that man, whew, and then, um, and then just as a person, like it hit me more on the side of him being a father and a husband, and then to find out that his daughter also passed away with him, that's when it really made me emotional, right? To, to think of that lady losing her husband and a child mm-hmm. all at the same time, man, I cannot imagine it's- how that feel it it is it's it's just a tragic scenario i mean and that's what i meant you know when i was saying that a little while ago you know kobe used to take the helicopter to home games um every home game that the lakers had um people used to call him arrogant uh i remember when he first came in the league you know he said he wanted to be as good or better than michael jordan and he the one thing I can say is that he strived, he put in the work, he put in the hours to do that. But he was more than just a basketball player. You know, everybody's going to equate, you know, what he meant to the game. But Kobe Bryant himself was more than 33,000 points in the career, 7,000 rebounds in the career. You know, he had 6,000 assists in his career. He was more than that. What he was was he was – somebody's dad he was somebody's wife i mean uh, husband um you know he had he had some improprieties out there you know there was a scandal with him uh, from some years back but he stepped up as a man and tried to correct his mistakes and you know with that being said you know you could never knock kobe for his work ethic and you could never knock kobe for his ability to touch people and to just try to be a good human being, you know, um, definitely send condolences out to, you know, his, his wife to, you know, his remaining kids. And, and I think that's, that's even the saddest part about it is that it wasn't just, you know, as a wife to lose your husband is bad enough to lose one of your children. You know, I mean, the, the amount of grief that she has to have right now is, it, 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 it probably can't be measured. So, mm-hmm. you know, no. you definitely want to send your condolences out to that family. And to be honest, you know, the whole the whole Lakers organization takes a hit on this. I mean, you know, and, and you don't necessarily want to, oh, well, you know, that's just a team. But when you're dealing with sports and you're dealing with people that you suit up with every day to achieve a goal with, those aren't just your teammates. Those become your family. And to see people like Jay Williams 
online today, you know, breaking down tears on live TV, just like, you know, that that's his family. Those are his people. You know, that's that's his people. I, I, I send condolences out to everybody who he has touched, you know, by just being not Kobe Bryant, the black mamba, the person, like I said, who had 33,000 points, who has, you know, six NBA championships, but him being the person who showed people how to be a good father, showed people that you can recover from improprieties as a husband to make your marriage work. I, those are people that I send those condolences out to because they did lose a role model today. Right, right. So we want to um, we want to do that definitely. And now we're going to get into, you know, our uh, episode. Yeah. Um, listeners out there, we got some good stuff for y'all tonight. We're going to be talking about this. This is not something brand new, but it's still sort of new. But the the obsession that us women are having with men with beers, we want to talk about that. We want to discuss that. We want to find out. What what's the what's the big deal behind um having a man with a beard, you know? And I kind of equate the the thing, the obsession with the beards to men being obsessed with women with big butts. It's about the same. I mean uh, Yeah, yeah, because uh, I've seen women actually like lose their mine just because a dude got a nice beard he might not have nothing else to go with that beard but that beard the beard ladies out here and uh and if i can be frank and honest with y'all i'm one of them <laughs> so, so, so now we get to the root of the whole thing right there. <laughs> when she approached me with this subject this week, I was like, yeah, you know what? I wanted to be beard gang myself, but I couldn't pass the initiation. You know? <laughs> well, hey, they, they, uh, hey, they got they got clip-on beers now. They got glow, glue-on beers now. So, you know, they if you ain't got a beer, you can get one. Hey, so the people, for, for guys who decide they want to get a clip-on beard, <laughs> I will shame you in public if I see you got a clip-on beard on. <laughs> What's the difference? What's the difference? Women are going out here, they're going out here and putting on these butts that you can take off when they feel like it. So why the man can't go put him a beard on when he feel like it? So we have equal opportunity here. <laughs> no, when you equated that, when you said it was like a woman's butt, nah, see, see, women can't grow booties. See, men, they can, they can grow, some men can grow a beard. So I can try to grow a beard, but mine be kind of patchy. A woman can grow a booty. Shoot. Do you know how many women going to the to the gym well, yeah, get their spots? Yeah, that's true. That is very, very true. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess women do feel like that. Like I say, I'm from the Apache tribe. My beard be super patchy. <laughs> 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 
I try. No, get me wrong. I can make it look like it's almost nice. Like, oh yeah, I see what you're doing there. You got the beard going. Yeah, let that thing go for about three, four weeks more, and it's like, oh man, I got <laughs> right here don't grow. I got a patch right here don't grow, and it's like, you know what? I got. I give up. Gosh darn it! I, and I tried. I tried for like a year, two years to try to make it. I, like and and, and like I, I used to take some of that little mascara liner and kind of dot 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 so you can barely see where the patch just kind of brush it down so it's like oh man it looked kind of almost fool but you know what I was fooling myself because it, it just wasn't happening so what I learned was just go with the look that makes you do not put that fake beard on because you know what's going to happen. You're going to be with your girl and you're going to be like, she'll be digging your beard one day and then you're going to remove it and it's going to be like you took her soul away. Like, what is you doing? You don't have a beard? See, guys are used to women that have weaves and stuff. Now, I'm not going to lie. I've had an incident before where a girl took off her booty. I think I've talked about this before and that was a very shocking and mind-altering experience for me. But man, hurts. Do the removable beard. Guys cannot do, dude. You cannot do the removable beard. Just, just play to your strengths. Play to man, your. Man, look. If you want to do a clip on beard, do your thing. Just make sure she don't never find out. But then the difference. What What's the difference in? Because I've dated guys who had the beard and then got it shaved off for whatever their reasons were. So what what would be the difference if he get a clip on one? Then he could just tell her he shaved, He felt like shaving it. Yeah. So, I but mean, let's see, but he got to play that line. I want to talk about what is our obsession with the beards? What is it that turns women on so much when they see a man with a nice beard and for me it just makes me feel like you a grown ass man you Mm -hmm. are a mature adult Mm -hmm. man and you can handle manhood I don't know it's just something about it it's just one one day (laughs) a a flip (laughs) It switched in me, and I was like, I never understood, I never saw it coming. It was just one day I made the decision. I'm never dating a man without a beard again. So, so here's the thing I get it, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like I know plenty of guys who are far from grown men who have like full beards. You know, like they 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 play they playing to the fact that they can grow a beard. Now they not able to pay no bills and nothing like that, and they sit on top every day. I got my beard on. I got my and and you know what? That's how they. But it ain't, it ain't like that's just the only. That's you know you get you got a beard and then nothing else. You got to have things to back up the beard that's what i'm saying don't don't be out here false advertising don't be looking like a man but not really a man so first first and foremost you're gonna attract me with the beard then i'm gonna see what's going on behind that beard but mm-hmm. you got to have the beard first <laughs> see, see, look, 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 look you know what i'm saying see that's what i'm talking about that's that mess i'm talking about so she you said got- you had a beard so you, 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 you hear this ladies and gentlemen so what she's saying here is you know what <laughs> 
I'll find out if he's worth something later. Let me at least if he got the beard, I'm good. Now you can have. I, I bring up my boy again, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker ain't got no beard, but he got money. He got you know he can do his thing. But that's cool. He not my type. Yeah, I know. I'm not, but see, most of the guys with the beards, they not those guys who handle the business like that. If you have time to 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 really like manicure your beard to where it is, get out of here, man! How long ten? You either soul crack or you. <laughs> you quit hating hate no beard day, man. <laughs> I'm hating, God dang it. No, no. I mean, to be honest, I don't have a beard. I don't have like the full face beard. Now, I do have a part of my face that grows like wildfire, like right up under. It's like right up to where my beard would actually start. That little mm-hmm. area. Like, I, I could do a powerful goatee. The goatee so, you, so all you need is a. Uh... You don't need a whole. You don't need a whole installment. You just need a half a beard. Hey, a not even a half. So it's only two patches that don't grow. I got a patch over here where I got kicked in the face and it just don't grow no more. And then I so got a patch over me, here. <laughs> so you telling me you won't go to the barber shop and let your barber hook you up and put and fill them patches in? No, no. You know what? I used to. <laughs> I used, to, I used to try to do it because I was like, like I said, I couldn't quite pass the initiation for beer gang. I tried. I said, you know what? You know, my barber was like, well, I got some stuff that'll help you out. And I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, man. Just, just, just lay back. I got you. I got you. And then he took out this thing and commenced to coloring and painting my goddamn uh, chin. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Uh, hey man, he was trying to help you out. It's the feeling. So then he, he commences the drawing on my on my my jawbone, and I'm like, "What are you drawing, bro? We in like this is this is like some Crayola. What, what's happening here? You know? I mean, here's the thing. I don't want the beard if it look fake. Like if I'm walking no, in, it got- nah, I don't want it. You well, know? I I actually saw. Uh, uh, a full video of a beard installment. <laughs> they have, they have and especially up here in Atlanta, they got these dudes who are actually install it. They're trying to make it like they actually have a beard and they can grow a full beard. You're fooling yourself, man. You're fooling yourself. <laughs> because what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Oh, baby, let's take a shower together. And he's sitting up there, uh-oh. <laughs> you know? I mean, what's the difference? I mean, if he if she taking her wig off at night and he taking his beard off at night, what's the difference? I mean, what happens if it starts raining? Y'all fighting over the umbrella because he don't want to get his face wet. Okay, <laughs> that's that's on him. Well, I ain't. I don't know. I just if I'm a tug on that mug. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Now, what happens if you tug it and it come clean off? <laughs> oh man, your beer smells so good. Oops. We probably get bridge when we get to it. Looks like you hold a master splinter in your hand. What just happened? Man, as long as he ain't got no no um clean shaven face like a baby's butt, like plies. <laughs> I don't like how I you see plies need hair on his face. 
I don't think Plies can grow hair. I've, I've seen him with hair before. He's I've he seen grow- him with like a real beard before. Like like even like the no, I haven't seen him with a beard, but I've seen him with a mustache and kind of like a shadow of a beard. Yeah. But he I think he prefers his himself. Um, but you know what? A lot of a lot of guys do, man. Uh Boosie is another one. He prefers to have that that clean shaven look, you know. Uh um, you know what? If Boosie had a full beard, I still wouldn't look at him. <laughs> <laughs> man, what you talking about? Boosie is, you know, I can see him with a beard. Well, I can't see him with a beard, but Boosie is a clown. I like to laugh at him, but I couldn't date him. Hey, Boosie, Boosie, not, you know, he's good people, good people. You know, I, yeah, I mean, he's he gonna be my boy for sure. Yeah, I see where you're coming from, though. I mean, I don't know. I I, I still feel like some guys, like I say, those are guys playing to the street. Now, this one we can talk about. Did you see Boosie? Get on TV talking about man. Uh, only thing I would have did different, I wouldn't have skeeted in all them different girls. So Boosie was just being real. Yeah, <laughs> he could have used a different word. So now I'm talking to all the guys out there, you know, all around podcast land, you know. And no, 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 no. I'm talking to the. All right, audience. I apologize. We got cut off there for a moment we had a little technical difficulties as we can expect in um in the podcast world so it's not a big deal we finna pick up right where we left off right 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 and what it was but she don't want to tell y'all is that i started to make a point about these clip-on beards and she was like nope nope you gotta stop this let them (laughs) clip-on beards i'm here to tell you if you get a clip-on beard you're gonna get clowned <laughs> um, I, well, me personally, like I'm not, I'm not a fan of a clip-on beard. I mean, but I say if the person that you're dating and they don't mind it, I don't mind it. But for I mean, me personally, I mean, eh, eh. I, mean, I get that because it's like you know, hey, baby, I want you to go ahead and put a beard on. You know, it's like okay, see those those types of relationships are suspect. Cause then I start wondering. That's like that's like if a guy was to tell a girl, you know what you look really good with, girl, if you have some booty. Mm-hmm. I think and you think women men don't do that? How many men have paid for the surgery that's for their true. women? That to is go very get true. That is very true. I'm talking about the guys who can't afford that type of stuff. <laughs> you know, right? If if they really want their woman to get that booty. But they know they can't pay for the surgery, then they'll probably tell her, look, go get you one of them. I mean, go get you one of them clip on. I mean, most of the time, all of that stuff is for fantasy anyway. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, but you can't have no fantasy scenario with the clip on beard because, you know, when you got a beard, yeah, you want to you you grab it. Don't, don't you limit your imagination. Don't you want to grab the beard? Don't you want to be like, you know, oh, babe, you got that. And you grab the beard, you got a whole handful of Master Splinter in your hand. Well, if they, if they, if, if the barber glued it on well enough, it should be able to withstand a couple of tugs. I mean, oh, you, you so you wanted to get one of the full, the full weaves in there. <laughs> 
You know, you got a few patches in there. It's all right. We can sew it in right here. Get a little, put one of the little mesh things right there. Go ahead and do, do a little overlay and get it right. Mm-mm. Nah, bro. If you got to do all of that, you don't need no beard, man. Just go ahead and get your little goatee, man. Just a nice little goatee. That's all you need. That's all. Well, you're, then, you're not quite see, beard gang. But, but see, ain't this being, um, well, I'm trying to find the word. I mean, because. Ain't this being what, what what word am I looking for? I don't know the word, but I'm going to say it's the same as when we tell women, you know, you should be happy with your body. If you was born with a flat butt girl, why would you go and get surgery? So if we're going to tell women, you know, you can go do whatever you want to to your body to make you feel however you want to feel about yourself. Then why are we going to tell men, look, if you ain't got no bed, don't go get nabbed. Cause I'm gonna clown them if they do. They can go do it. No, don't get me wrong. You have the right. So for the women out there, I'm just I'm talking for the women out there. Do would you mind if your man got a clip-on beard, or do you want the real thing? For me, I want the real thing. I mean, of course they gonna want the real thing. Of course they gonna want the real thing. <laughs> but if your man can't grow no beard, and like I say, he a part of the Apache tribe like me, and he said that he like. You know, mm, can't go no beard. Then you go be like, okay, well, I'm gonna send you over there to Clyde the Barber and have him put you a little sew in in there. That's not gonna work out. You know what you do, guys? You know what you do to compensate? You just do like a big, full, full goatee, one of the big bushy goatees, like one of the big Frederick Douglass goatees, where it's like, oh man, look like you dang near beard gang from the front. You gotta turn to the side to understand that he ain't got no full beard. That's what you do. That's how you that's how you compensate. Don't go over there to nobody and have them painting no no stars and stripes on your face. Because some of the barbers will sit there and put some uh put some of the marks a lot on your face and make you think you got a little beard. Mm-mm. It does look painted off. Don't go to your uh, your girl house and be like, baby, this look fake. Yeah, it look fake, but she ain't gonna have a heart to tell you. Shoes. Some of these shoes. I'ma go get a, a makeup wipe. No, oh, yeah. yeah. Right off. Right, but right, right. This is a question that I have for you and all the men listening. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah. is it do y'all consider it to be shallow if a woman says she wants a man who has a beard and she doesn't really feel attracted to men who don't have beards? I, you know what? I don't think it's a shallow thing, um, you know, because to be honest, they, I, you know, there's guys who be like, man, I, I don't want no girl who ain't got no booty. You know, right. <laughs> she right. got to have a look. She got to have some hips or something. If she ain't got no hips or no thighs, then I really can't deal with her. You know, those are those are they may seem like superficial things, but they are desires and wants. I always make that joke about, you know, women passing up the forest with her to get to the little bum down the street. You know, but at the same time, you may not be that. That's not what attracts you. You should always go with what attracts you the most. Unless you attract the ratchet people, and in that case, you need Jesus, and you need to get your life together. <laughs> and I know too many people who are attracted to these ratchetness, and that's why that's why I asked you earlier. But I was like, okay, so you're gonna look at the beard first. You ain't gonna look at the uh, 
No, no. I mean, the beard is a very important attractant. It's not. It's not nothing that's gonna keep my attention. Because right. I've seen, I've met some guys who were very attractive from the beginning, and then once I found out wasn't nothing much more to go with it, I was like, man, you look good, but I don't that it. Um, I see. So, so yeah, it's kind of like guys with, with the booty and stuff. So it is. So when guys be like, oh, yeah, she got some booty. But, but see, guys, they don't care. That's all they be concerned with, you know. Oh, yeah, she, oh, she, ain't got no she, ain't got she ain't got nothing else to offer. But she got that booty, bro. Yeah. yeah. They're going to keep coming dog. back to look at that booty. But for me, I'm going to be like, man, your beard look nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, but see, there's, there's be free. But here's the difference, though. The booty does have a play in the physical attraction, and it has a function. The beard doesn't necessarily have a function in, in any type of physical contact. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going I'm to break it down for you scientifically. Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> I just thought about something. <laughs> Don't you go there. No, I'll just... <laughs> Because for one, like like they said, scientifically, men are attracted to women with with round butts and full hips because that speaks to their subconscious nature that she can carry a child and right. that she, um, you know, she's a, a childbearing. She has right, right, right. childbearing hips. Right, right. That's a real thing. So for the women, the same thing applies. When we see a man with a beard and he looks like, you know, a, a mature man, virile man, to us subconsciously that says he's a masculine man. Um, he can mm. take care of us. Um, he can provide and protect. Um, and uh, he he's a man. He's a man. But why don't they just say he got lice? What? <laughs> I mean, he might. You know what? I mean, taking care of a beard is hard work. You know, you got to make sure you put your p's and q's in when you're trying to take care of a beard. So, you know, you got to make sure on. taking beard is just like what? How much? Like thirty percent of your whole face. I mean, but hey, you got to put beard oils in there. You got to wash Man, it. Man, rub it. that stuff in your hand and rub it on. Yeah, make the sure. The beard is going to come along with your shower. It's not like you're going to do a whole separate wash of the beard and not the rest of your body. But I mean, yeah, you got to do it in the shower, but you still, but you still, when you get out, you have to do beard maintenance. You actually got to do beard maintenance when you get out, you know? If you're telling me that that little beard maintenance equates to what a woman has to do to keep herself maintained and looking good for a man, no, and y'all can't do that little bit. Hey, I won't say that it's completely like that, but I will say it ain't nothing you, like that. If woman you have, gotta make if you she gotta, gotta keep strong, right, huh? If you got a strong, healthy beard. Then yeah, it do take some maintenance. You gotta comb that thing, brush it. You gotta put the oil in it. See, y'all think it's just like a just you. We just gonna wake up and look like that. No, because when we wake up and look like that, it's gonna be all nappy and uh, all unkempt and all that kind okay. of. Okay, and you gotta go to the room and taking care of just like when you go get your hair cut. Make sure they don't miss the beard. Groom I mean, that too. 
hey, I know guys who have the hot comb on their beard. You know? Now, see, that ain't, that's not happening. We're not doing the pimp beard. <laughs> I mean, We're not I'm doing saying. the super fly beard. I'm just saying, you know, that sometimes there's a little bit more. For the people who don't have this naturally beautiful beard, you got to put some work into it, you know? Man, like the beard said, ain't supposed to be beautiful. It's supposed to look rough and rugged. <laughs> no, because if, if if somebody come up to you with a rough and rugged looking beard, and when I say no, see what you call rough and rugged is just like oh a nice thick beard. No, rough and rugged is when it be all nappy with gray strands no, all over here. It, and- it to, I mean, it don't have to have no certain texture as long as it's and lined up. You don't have to have no certain texture to the hair. We ain't talking about, we ain't getting into textures and stuff. <laughs> we just having it groomed and, and um, lined up nice. That's all you need. If the hair start looking too pretty, then I'm going to start worrying. <laughs> well, you know what, though? See, them the ones you got to watch. No more exactly. get the super pretty beard and, you know, all that kind Ooh. of stuff. I, I, I know some of them. I know a few of them work with them. <laughs> you know, they, 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 they try to make sure the beard is nice and, you know, they, they spend so much time on the beard, you swear that they was, you know, working on some stacks or some weave or something in their head, you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't we, think guys we, we don't want nobody going to the extreme. Just, you know, you we know the difference. This has got to be a good balance. Just have a nice little beard. Keep it groomed mm-hmm. nicely. And um, yeah. it, it got to be no whole production. Right. And see, the thing is, though, I mean, like I said, I don't think guys are going to be, you know, we don't look at it like superficial, like, oh, you're superficial because you want that guy with that beard. We just know that, you know, one razor clip away from taking away all of his appeal. That's all I got. Uh, and, and, and definitely, because I was, <laughs> I dated a guy. One I was dating a guy, and he had a nice beard, and I liked it. And every time he would cut it off, I would not be attracted to him. Oh, wow. See, see. Because he reminded me, he just reminded me because he reminded me of like one of my sons. Oh, wow. See, yeah, that's when, mm-mm, mm-mm. So that's what it is. So you think it's more of a maturity thing, you know? Yeah. To look mature i don't want him to look like he could be my son which you know i don't look old but i just want a man that look like a man oh i got you i got you you know you want a man now now how do you feel about military men like the guy you know because they got most of them have to come in clean shaven and you know all that kind of stuff but you know so how would you equate that to like a military man coming in his uniform? Um, he can't have his facial hair. No, so, he can't have his facial hair. Right, I, and I've not dated a military man. Uh huh. See, but they're real manly men. They real uh, in charge. So if they so manly, they ought to tell their commander, "I'm I'm growing my beard, and ain't nothing you can hey, do you know about it." <laughs> you know I wish they would. <laughs> they wish they would. <laughs> I ain't gonna let no grown man tell me 
I gotta shave my face? No, sir. <laughs> I'm telling you, hey, look. I'm telling you now, look, they, they, you try it. <laughs> you know? Now, as a matter of fact, I want to see that. I want to see them try it. I guarantee you, this is not going to work out well for them. If they do try, it ain't going to work out well. <laughs> and and I, I was dating this one guy. He worked in the uh, chemical plants. And, you know, they have to shave their face. So he had this schedule where he worked, um, what, three days on, four days off, or four days on, three days off. And so on, the, on, the, on his days off, he would let the hair grow. But as soon as he had to go back to work, he had to shave it off again. Oh, wow. So See, I only got to enjoy like three days of the facial You only got to enjoy three days of So you weren't attracted to him many other times. So you was only attracted to him when he had the beard. Which, like, he was an attractive man, but just seeing him with no facial hair, he was less attractive to me. So, guys, I want y'all to listen to this. See this right here? <laughs> you, you see how women always be talking about... Mm, he went that good, and she he knows she ain't she ain't got nothing but a big booty. That's all. Mm-hmm. See, <laughs> both ways across the street right there. So next time your girl will be like, "Baby, don't cut your beard." You know why? <laughs> you oh know yeah. Why. Oh yeah. So don't 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 fall for that, fellas. You know, you know what? This is how you test your love right here. Go to the store. <laughs> no, 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 don't don't you go to the store. Let me tell you something. You better not listen to George. Call your, your woman. Call your girl and say, I need to get some new clippers. You mind getting some of those um some of those big razors for me too? What you doing? Well, I was thinking about cutting my beard. And see what her reaction is. She's gonna she- have the divorce papers waiting at the door. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, hey, look, look, fellas, you know what? And if she divorced you over that, hey, look, it's both fish in the sea. <laughs> and, they, and not all the fish want beards. Some of them be, <laughs> some be okay with your little mustache and goatee. Uh, there's women out there that don't really care about that, but you got to find them. Yeah, there, there are. There's a lot. But you know what, though? I've, I've never... I've run into a lot of women who who don't like the facial hair. They like the clean shade, um, mm-hmm. you know. And most of them, believe it or not, are mostly like the the like what I was talking about military. Most of the ones that I've run into are they end up with military guys, you know, ah. or they come from like a military family or whatever. I've learned that if you, you know, do it. like most of my family, you know, was military and most of the women in my family, they don't like the beards at all. They want you to be clean cut and yeah. you know what I'm saying like you got to have that 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 ball fade or whatever you have tight tight tight, you know. Oh, you need to yeah. get your hair cut every week, sir. You need to get that thing shaved every week. You need to make sure that you are manicured and looking like you worth something every week, sir. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, but that's, but, I mean, you know, that, so they don't really like beards. However, there are a lot of women who they will fight over that beard. They will be, they sound like you one of them women, by the way, they'll be like, look, <laughs> you're going to have to put this beard on. Even if you got to go buy a beard. Look, you're going to put this beard on. 
You better put it. I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> and see, I can, I can really, I can even go as far as, um, if you cut off the beard, but have leave the you you gotta have some hair on your face you cannot be just totally bald with no hair on your face i just can't no No, you gotta have something i think you know most guys when they shake their mustache off they look like booties (laughs) that's why that's why i don't like looking at plies videos because his lips look like booties <laughs> I mean, it's true. I, I, I try to keep a mustache. Now, there was a time like recently where I would keep my beard when I was trying to do, you know, the beard gang initiation. So I keep the beard, but I would cut the the mustache off, and it was a weird look. But it, 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 is, it is a weird look. I saw a guy that had that, and I was in. In you know how you stare at something, but you can't figure out what. <laughs> You're like, what is wrong? Funny, but I can't figure out what looked funny on him. Right, like what's wrong with this picture? I don't know. Something missing. You know right. how you do those pictures where they say find what's missing. Like something. You know they look like a, they look like a tang is what it is. So they look like you know monkeys don't have that 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 hair on their lip, but they have that hair on their chin. So they yeah. look, look like an orangutan when they do it. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I ain't gonna try to walk around here looking like great ape. We not, <laughs> you know. But yeah, but, but hey, to each his own. Y'all women, if y'all want y'all man with beard, y'all go ahead. Me and my goatee crew gonna be just fine, and you know I won't find somebody to stroke my goatee regardless. So just saying, you know, I ain't gotta have a full beard around here. Just saying, I know I smell good anyway. yes so that's that's on that i mean hey listeners out there you know your girl is out there in the dating game and she looking for a dude or whatever so if you got a nice beer holler at your girl (laughs) let me let me ask you a question now this is we got on the on the docket today all right, on the on our next topic we're talking about tonight, y'all, we're going to be talking about trying to co-parent with a toxic, narcissistic person. Mm. Whew, that's deep right there. We wanted to get we wanted to get all the fun, you know, uh topics out of the way so we could talk about this. This here, this really ain't anybody who's ever had to deal with this, this ain't nothing fun. Mm-mm. Um, because a narcissistic person, they can really take a whole lot out of you, especially if it's somebody that's close to you, somebody that you really have to deal with. It's if you have a person in your life that you really have no choice, you have to deal with this person and they're narcissistic. You you have to put yourself in a certain mindset to be able to deal with this person. And if it's a person that you have to co-parent with, that's a lifetime commitment. So you're going to have to deal with this person. So we want to talk about how to be able to recognize a narcissistic person and then how to protect yourself from getting sucked in 
to the mind games that they play. Um, and, and, you know, those ups and downs, those peaks and valleys, because narcissistic people feed off of your energy. They try to suck you into, you know, their little, um, movie that they got going on the movie of their life. Right. And really, right, right. You just a character in their movie and they want you to play a certain role. And, um, you got to figure out how to not become a character in their movie. I wrote down some things like, um, how you can kind of recognize a narcissistic person, because there's a difference in like a, just a, a selfish person. Narcissistic people, for one, they don't know how to be empathetic. They don't know how to take themselves out of the situation and see it from somebody else's point of view. It's going to always be about them. They can fake it a little bit. They can fake it a little while. But the bottom line is they don't care about how you feel. If it if it goes against how they feel, they're always going to put themselves on the top slot. So right. number one, they lack empathy. Number two is your words or your feelings or what you have to say is never more important than them. They will always try to talk over you or they will always try to take what you say and twist it and use it against you. Um, number three is they have a very... Um, self-important attitude like they they feel like they're more important than anybody else in their life right um, right or is they have a false image of success like they try to portray themselves to be one thing when they're really not um they will always try to upplay who they are and make themselves seem more than who they really are um number 5 is that they always want the rules to be broken for them. They always want people to make an exception for them. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm special. You don't have to do it for everybody else, but you have to do it for me because I'm special. Um, number six is they, they deal in perfectionism. They want everything to be perfect. They want to project perfectionism onto you. They want to make you feel like you're less than worthy. Um, to mask their own insecurities. Because yeah, yeah. the popular belief, a lot of people think narcissistic people um, are very confident, but they're really they're really masking their deep, deep insecurities. I was gonna say all that's of that. Yeah. Right. All of this is a big show. Um, number seven is they can be real charming. They can really be real charming. They can make you think that they're a certain type of person. They can flatter you. Um, they can really suck you in and make you think they're all about you or, you know, they have good intentions towards you all the mm -hmm. while. They're already um, like two steps ahead of you thinking what the next step is going to be and how this is going to end for them, not for you. Um, number eight is their master manipulators. They know how to manipulate people. They know how to manipulate situations. Um, they know how to manipulate outcomes to situations. Um, number nine, they're very controlling. They want to control how you think, how you see things, 
how you react. They want to be able to control all of those factors, you know, in every situation. And then number 10, they never take responsibility for any of their actions. It's always somebody else's fault. If you would have done this, then this wouldn't have happened. If you would have done this, I wouldn't have done that. It's always somebody else's fault, you know. And what I just laid out and described there is basically like a very emotionally handicapped, unmature person. Like it's like taking a grown person with a two year old's mindset. Um, Because if you, if you, if you deal with, if you have had any kids or you've raised kids, you know that a two year old, doesn't really care about anything else but what they want. Two-year-olds, I want it now. I want you to give it to me. I don't care mm-hmm. what you're talking about. This is what I want. Right. And that's how narcissists act. Yeah. And yeah. you were telling me that, you know, you kind of have a little um, experience with dealing with, with that. So kind of go into that and um, – what was your experience and what did you take from it? So, you know, it's 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 strange when you're dealing with someone like that. You know, my uh and it, it was it was it's funny because as soon as we started this topic, my son's mom was texting me. Uh <laughs> you know, like she knows, she knows. Um, <laughs> but no, um one of the things that and I I won't say that she is the the perfect um, example of a narcissist, but she had a lot of those tendencies, that control factor. That was something that she was, you know, it was, it was a scenario uh, in our, this is when we were, you know, divorced where she had the opportunity when I moved up to Atlanta to move up here too, because we worked for the same company. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were going to pay her more than she was making and they had a job here guaranteed. She turned that job down. And the reason why she turned the job down was because she felt like it wasn't fair that, you know, we would be divorced and I would still get to um, control the narrative and I would still get to see my son anytime I wanted to. And so, you know, she was like, you know, she would rather stay there and turn down that job than to come up here and lose control of the narrative that she right. was to paint. Um, she was one of those people where everything was somebody else's fault. It was never her fault. There was nothing that, you know, um, and when I say that, you know, it was other things besides parenting, but the big thing was the parenting scenario where nothing was her fault. It was all... Mm-hmm somebody else's fault. And, you know, she would start manipulating people with the, with the woe is me stories. And like I say, she was able to control a narrative because, you know, I'm here in Atlanta, she was down there. So, you know, it was, you know, a scenario where I couldn't even see myself for a while, you know, and, yeah. and, and, you know, but the narrative down there to other people was that, Oh, he don't come down here. He don't want to see his son, blah, 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 blah. No, it wasn't that. I'm trying to find ways to do it, and you're not allowing me to do it. You know? Right. Um, but that was a control thing. That was part of the reason why, you know, to this day, my son's not really, you know, close with my side, of, you know, 
my side of the family because she wouldn't bring them around. They would ask for them. They would do all that, but she wouldn't, you know, that was, that was my responsibility, you know, to, to do right. that. But well, I wouldn't, right. I want to pick him up and bring him places. Well, no, you can't do that because, you know, he's scared of people or he's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, there was just, it was a whole narrative behind the scenes that she was playing to make it like I was, you know, the bad guy. And it made her feel better about that, you know, about situations. Now we have, you know, tried to work out things, you know, to, you know, because the main thing is that I want to be a, a good parent to my son, even though we're apart, that doesn't necessarily mean that I have to be, um, you know, apart from him, you know? Right. Um, but it could be it could be hurtful to the people who were I mean, it was hurtful to me. You know, I was, you know, one of those people who, you know, I one thing I wanted all my life was a was a was a was a child. And I was like, okay, well, now I you know, I, I have one, but I don't have one. I can't I don't have access to him. I don't have, you know, the 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 means to, you know, be around him and spend time with him and let him meet my family. Let him be, you know, I, I didn't have all those things. Um, right. And it was because the, you know, the, the interaction was controlled. You know, I could see him when it was convenient for her to let me see him. You know, I, it, you know, she didn't, like I said, she turned down a, a $60,000 a year job up here, you know, because she didn't want, him to you know me to be have the access to him that yeah. you know and which which to me was just backwards like you don't want me to have access to my own son you know <laughs> you know it's like yeah. yeah if you if i bring him up there and you know, i don't feel like that's fair that you know you still just get to and and that's i think that's the the key with narcissistic behavior too especially when you're uh in a scenario where you're co-parenting sometimes that narcissistic behavior it comes about as a result, and, and maybe not as a result, but um, the fact that narcissistic people do not like to be broken up with. They don't like to feel like they are um, less than somebody else, like somebody's mm-hmm. moving on. Like my, my son's mom put me on child support. Um, I was paying money every month to her, sending money down there, but she put me on child support because I started dating someone else. And she said that, you know, well, ain't nobody kids going to get before my child get, you know? So it was a scenario where I was like, I don't take care of nobody else's children. I don't do, you know, (laughs) but it was a simple fact that, you know, it was a, a reason. And then it was like, yeah, I'm going to try to make sure I get the whole check, blah, 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 blah. And then when the judge looked at the, the, the support order and realized that this was completely unreasonable, they threw it out. And, you know, then that was another reason she could become a victim. And it was just a whole, you know, thing where, you know, oh, I can't do nothing wrong. And I'm just, it's just poor little me and, you know, all those types of things. Um, yeah, it can be hurtful. It was hurtful to me. It, I, it, it took a while for me to get over that, you know, I mean, to, for me to, and, and to this day, it's still a healing process because the, the side effect of dealing with a narcissistic parent is the other co-parent has to 
find a way to put aside the hurt from the interaction to be able to be there for their child. And it was hurtful. It was hurtful that I couldn't be where I wanted to be. You know, that's not his fault. That's not my son's fault, you know, but there was always, you know, the, the, I guess the, the backdrop of, okay, well, how do I interact with him? What is, what is she telling him about me? How am I supposed to, you know, to react to, you know, how he feels about me or whatever, you know, is she bad mouthing me? Is she go, you know, it's, it's a difficult interaction because you, you know that you're going to be the bad guy to your child, you know, because narcissistic people will always, you know, um, display that narcissistic behavior no matter what particular environment that they're in, including when they're raising their child. So, you know, they're going to always feel and always, you know, make the child very aware that they feel like they're the victim. And, you know, that's what I saw with, with her, you know. And like I said, I don't like to speak negative on, you know, my child's mother. But just saying that, you know, it's, it is a difficult thing because you have to deal with how you're portrayed walking in you know, to an environment where you're already labeled as the bad guy, but you're just trying to go in and give the support that you were supposed to be giving as a parent. And I'm hoping that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I I had a um I had an experience with that with um my youngest son with his father after we broke up. It was a the the thing about it was we broke up. He actually broke up with me. And then, you know, that period of time where after you break up, you, you still communicate with each other. You still end up messing around with each other those last few times. And then the situation reversed. Oh, where, saying, you're real. <laughs> right. The situation reversed where... I made it up in my mind. I just, I don't want to do this no more. And he still wanted to keep it going on. And so after I decided, I just, I'm I'm not going there with you no more. We just going to be parents to our child, but I don't, I don't want to do this, you know, back and forth, sleeping around no more. Then it became a problem. And then it became trying to use, you know, the, the parenting situation and ways to control me. Right. And um, like, like things like if I'm going somewhere and I'm doing something, you feel like you can just call me at the last minute and tell me that you coming to pick him up or um, you call me at the last minute and tell me to bring him to you. I'm like, you have to let me know ahead of time because if I've already made plans for him, and you just jump up spare of the moment and tell me you want me to do this or do that. I'm not going to stop what I had planned because you want me to do what you want me to do. Right. And that will become an argument 
And then you want to call me all out my name and cuss me out. And I'm like, where's all this hostility coming from? I mean, we was just having a, because I, I'm not going to, you know, you can't control me anymore. You can't control what I do. You can't control how I come and go. And so at first I was feeding into it. And then I really start to realize this is exactly what he want me to do. He want me to feed into this. So that's what I had to learn about a narcissist. You have to starve their narrative when yeah. they don't get the reactions from you that they were looking for. Eventually they stop. They give up because they're not getting what they need to get from you. They need that attention. They need that drama. They need that conflict. And if you don't give it to them, all they're going to do is just move along and get it from somebody else. Right. So once I stopped responding to it, you know, calling me, you know, texting me, cussing me out. And I'm like, okay, dude, I've, I've heard, I've heard worse from better people. You're, you're, you know, right. <laughs> your, your insults don't bother me because they're coming from you. You know, you don't, you can't hurt me. You can't hurt my feelings. And so once I stopped responding to the stuff, you know, he started treating me like a person again. Of course. Like now you want to have real conversations. Now you want to call ahead. <laughs> like a normal person is supposed to do because you see I'm not going to play those games with you you know what though that's that's it, and I hate saying it like this but it, 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 it's true sometimes people like that need that wake up call like mm-hmm. they need that and I wouldn't even say it's a wake up call because they, they, they won't they're not necessarily snapping out of it. They're just going to allow themselves to have a more realistic interaction outside of the fairy tale that they paint inside their head, basically. Right. When they feel like they have something, when they feel like they have something of value to hold over your head, like I, I mean, I want you to have a relationship with your son but we will not die if that can't happen because if we can't have a co-parenting relationship where you don't try to stress me out 24 seven, then we won't have any relationship and I will be perfectly okay with that. Mm-hmm. You're going to be the one to suffer. So you're either going to deal with me like a person supposed to, or we don't have to deal at all. Right. Right. Right, right. You know, and but and it's sad that you have to kind of draw that that line in the sand with um, narcissistic people. But you, mm-hmm. you kind of have to because if you don't, then you know they will continue to you know be the star of their own story, and they're going to be the victim in their own fairy tale, and you know it's going to always be the woe is me story and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and you know to be honest kids grow so fast they don't have time for that you know right. they don't have time i mean when i when i went down to uh, louisiana in december i went down there for christmas got to you know that was the first christmas that i got to spend with my son since he's been born and it was so weird because you know 
he's seven. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's seven years old. You know, and I think about all the time that I, I that I missed. You know, there were some other things that were going on with me. I was I was in the hospital last Christmas, but I mean, it was like you know there are Christmases that I missed. There are things that I have missed. You know, and yeah, you know, right. a lot of it uh, was because of BS. A lot of it was because you know we couldn't get you know, on the same page or we weren't, you know, working right. So she felt like a victim or she, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was, life is too short and yeah. kids go too fast. And there is a certain sense of compromise that you want to have as a parent, but then there are also certain lines that you have to draw in the sand with, you know, when you're co-parenting with someone that can have toxic behavior, because at the end of the day, that toxic behavior can actually rub off onto your kids. Oh, my, yeah. Um, my, my ex, her, uh, her daughter is, you know, one of those victims of that because mm-hmm. she had the same scenario with her, um, her, you know, daughter's father. Where, you know, she painted him as such a bad person and all that. Her daughter hates him. And, you know, not really hates, but, you know, she's not close to him. She doesn't, you know, like she, they, I was there and I I was so appalled. I wanted to like cuss out myself. So So her dad came Christmas morning and brought these gifts and stuff, you know, for, for her. And she actually, he actually bought one for my son and I was appreciative of that, you know, um, not stuff that he's into, but it was the thought that counted, you know what I'm saying? He at least thought about it. So he brought gifts over for, for her and she just was like, Oh, great. Why would I even wear this bracelet? This is ridiculous. What? <laughs> oh, what is this? What? Oh, whatever. <laughs> this is uh, just do the stuff over. Oh my! You can get me anything good. Why would you do that? And I'm just like, bruh. Wow. You know, what I'm like, why would you do that? I can't believe you would come in here and bring me some of that. I don't, I don't, how can I use any of this stuff? And he, he had brought her like this nice, this is actually a really nice Bluetooth speaker. But it was yeah. like that because he brought it, she didn't like it. You know? And it was just like, you know. <sighs> so it's not, really nothing you could have done would have been good enough. I mean, I'm your daughter. You're supposed to be getting me a lot better than this. <laughs> we, don't, like, we don't raise kids like that. I don't, I, I've never, my son ever. I've never seen a kid in my vicinity that spoke that way. <laughs> if she was in your vicinity, she would have got snatched. Let me tell you something. I, look. I have saved that little girl's life many times. Mm. When me and my ex-wife was together. I will say this. I told her about that attitude then, and I had to tell her. I was like, back then, I was like, look, I'm your stepdaddy. 
I love you to death. I'm going to take up for you when you're right, but I'm going to tell you when you're wrong. And I will snap right. your lips off your face if you keep on <laughs> with what you're doing. Talking to me crazy. Let my son, let my son come at me with some, look. <laughs> look. When I, when he said I had to I, I, I took another room. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. At least say thank you and whatever. You know what I'm saying? Don't don't right. don't do that. Don't do that. Because and that's that's the fear though. When you have a narcissistic parent, you you you're raising a little mini narcissist. Oh yeah. Oh, well, you cool. have to you 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 really have to as a co-parent be mindful of that. So it may seem like you're giving a little bit of compromise to your interactions, but you have to in order to make sure that your children are gonna be okay. Right. Because at the yeah. end of the day, you know, you don't want to be that parent that gets painted as the bad guy and you walk in and your son or your daughter is looking at you like you are the worst thing in the world with that attitude. I mean, if I was if I was her dad, I would have been so hurt. And and I know he was. I walked outside with him. I talked to him and all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't talk to him about that. I just talked to him about random stuff, you know. But right. the fact that he was actually trying to be there. And you wow. looked at him and told him, you know, I'm your daughter. You're supposed to be doing better than this. Oh, wow. You know, oh, that yeah. was like $115. I don't see nothing. I started to make, let me get this. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about, love. <laughs> you know? But you have to, I mean, and, and, and as, as the mother in the situation, if she didn't try to correct her, that's the problem. That's a big problem. And it um, goes back to what I was saying, you know, and, and what you were saying from the article too, is the fact that, you know, that painting that narrative, the reason she didn't correct it was because it was a part of the narrative that she had already painted. Mm-hmm. You know, is that he's such a bad person and blah, 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 blah. And now your children feel the same way. So we all feel like you just trash. Right. Because she, she's she's probably more than once heard her mother say all those same things. She has. And I, I told her about that. And she said, she she told me one time, like, I don't never talk bad about my my my, uh, my daughter's father in front of her because I don't want her to feel some type of way. I was like, yeah, you do. I think you're lying. You do it a lot of times. You just don't realize that you're doing it. You know, every mm-hmm. time, well, you know how your daddy is. You know he ain't going to be coming over here. You know he going to be, you can ask him, but I don't think he going to do that because you know he got another family over there. You know, oh, you, you know what I'm saying? You put all that in her head. Right. You start doing stuff like that, and you already have somebody that kind of take after you anyway. Then he, <laughs> okay. you just setting it up for some, some bad stuff. Right. You know, so, I mean, at, you know, you have to draw the line in the sand, but at the same time, you know, just understand that you're dealing with a scenario when you're dealing with somebody who's toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and when you say that, it, it sounds harsh when you say that somebody's toxic, you know, like, you know, how would you feel if somebody told you that you was toxic? You know, it sounds mm-hmm. harsh. But, I wouldn't feel good, but if it's true, I need to hear it. Well, right, right. You do need to hear it. You know, you need to hear that you are causing issues that could have, you know, could cause ir- irreparable damage later down the line. 
Um, right. I mean, if we got to teach our kids to have compassion and empathy for other people, um, treat people the way you would like to be treated. You know, the world does not revolve around you. You know, if we don't instill those type of values into our kids, we're going to be raising little mini narcissists and the world is going to swallow them up because right. just because just because you love your child and you coddle your child and you give them everything they want and you teach them that the world revolves around them, you're not doing them any favors because when they get out in the world, the world's going to slap them upside the head. Exactly. And who told you that? That's exactly. not how they work. Exactly. And, and that's a big thing, too. You just hit the nail on the head with that. You When you mess around and you coddle your kids like that and you teach them that they are the victim and that they're, you know, they're right and everything they're doing and all that kind of stuff, the world is going to pimp slap them upside the head. As a matter of fact, right. they're going to pimp upside, upside the head. They're going to pimp them in the back of the head. They're going <laughs> to give them that big pow in the back of the head. Like, look, you know, you need to get it. You need to get it need to get it right, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, her, her daughter's going through that now. Her daughter's going through it. You know, when, you know, because she thought it was just going to be easy that her mom was going to do everything for her and all that kind of stuff right now and that she wasn't wrong with anything and now she's in danger of getting kicked out of college and all this kind of stuff because she can't wow. hold her mouth, she can't do all that kind of stuff. I mean, at the same time, you caused that firestorm by being in mm-hmm toxic in that scenario and being that type of parent you know Um, you know so now guess what your daughter is going to follow in that same footstep and actually is going to probably be in a worse you know situation you know um so so yeah i mean you gotta tell them you gotta put those battle lines you gotta draw those lines and be like look you know this is where this is you know, where it stops. I'm not going to let you run over me and take control of, you know, the narrative. It's easier said than done. Don't get me wrong, you know, but you, you have to put faith, you know, forth that effort as a co-parent with somebody like that. Because if you don't, then you're just basically feeding your kids to the wolves. And eventually your kids are going to end up in that situation where, you know, they're going to be influenced by somebody who, to be honest, isn't going to be providing them the best advice for living life <laughs> outside, right. of, you know, outside of the uh, the little nest that they've already provided, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think parents should look at it this way. Like a lot of people want to raise their kids. They want their kids to like them. And, you know, you, you, there's a part, there's a certain part of your kid's life and their part of their development. You are not supposed to be their friend. You are supposed to be their parent, their, their guidance. Yes. Yes. You are not supposed to be their friend. They need friends, their age. They don't need you as a friend. Right. And you, know. and you have to look at parenting as if I die today or tomorrow, have I instilled everything inside of my child that if I die and nobody else is left on this earth, will they be able to survive and take care of themselves? Right. That's and what I think about my kids. It's like, if I die, will my kids be able to thrive and flourish in life with everything that I've taught them? 
or have I handicapped them to where if I die, they're they're gonna perish on this earth because I'm right. not here. Right, exactly. And that's a that's a big thing that a lot of people don't don't consider when they consider what being a parent is. A lot of people think that, you know, it's making sure that my kids have everything they need and want and all that kind of stuff and making sure that, you know, my, that they're, they're spoiled and that, you know what I'm saying, they don't want for nothing and I'm going to tell them what to do with this and what to do with that, blah, blah, blah. It's not all about that. Sometimes, at least when I was growing up, it was more about trying to teach your kids how to be self-sufficient. You know, and it's, and it's, it's really foolishness when you parent from that type of standpoint, it's basically a, a selfish standpoint because you're parenting mm-hmm. in a way that makes you feel good. You're not right. actually parenting in a way that's better for your child because sometimes parenting does not feel good. Right, um, exactly. Feel good to tell your child no sometimes. It doesn't feel good to discipline your child. It doesn't feel good, you know, to have to have those difficult conversations with your child. Those things don't feel good. That's the part of parenting that's not fun. But we want to do all the things that are fun and that feels good, but then it doesn't help your child in the long run. Right, exactly. I mean, I think that's the mistake that a lot of, and I, and I feel like it's more this generation of of parents than any um, that run into this this scenario here, where I think they feel like they want to be their kids' friends, and you know they they want to make sure their kid don't lack nothing and all that kind of stuff, and they they forget to raise their kids. Mm-hmm. Get to they forget that you're not trying to you know be your kid's friend. You're trying to be you know your kid's parent. Uh, a lot of parents are like that though. They they want to be their kid's best friend, and you know they'll, they'll talk to them any kind of way and all that kind of stuff. And you know it's that we live in a world where that's prevalent, and mm-hmm. I think it's a cause of a lot of issues that we have today. There's not as much respect for those those parents and any type of authority that, you know, that's out there right now. I was having a conversation with a a girl the other day at the women's um, discussion group that I had. We were talking about. um, I think we were talking about um, like, you know, when you're in Walmart and you see these kids acting out and they screaming and cussing and Mm -hmm. um, telling their parents off because their parents won't get them what they want. And then somebody else can walk up in that same scenario and just have a firm voice and speak firmly to that child and they'll straighten right up. <laughs> look, look, I've done and it. They'll I've start to it. really have respect for that person. I've seen situations where the kid is acting a plum fool. The parent can't do nothing with them. Somebody else walks up and speaks to the child and they straighten right up. And then they start to follow that person around and really want to be around that Mm -hmm. person. That just goes to show you that kids really do want discipline. They need it. You know, say, okay, so when they're around people who don't 
don't instill discipline and let them do whatever they feel out of control. Mm-hmm. And they feel it's a, it's a scary feeling for right. a child to not know what they're supposed to do and not know what they're supposed to expect from life. They, they have no control. So that's why they out of control. Right, right, right. You know what though? I've, I've had like a few and, and I've had it with my own son and I've had it in other scenarios before. Like I had, <laughs> I was in Walmart one day and they had this little boy. He was giving his mama the blues in Walmart. When I say he was, no, I told you that I was going to go back there and play. You don't tell me what to do. You know that he was just acting. I ain't had to say much. I just looked at him. He was around, he was gonna, I just looked, I grabbed, I grabbed the cart and just looked at him. Son, calm down. Your mama trying to get something done. And when he looked at me like he had just saw the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and I, I didn't know, and I was like, I'm sorry, man, but I just had to say it. Because he was getting a little bit, she was like, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. And he'd stay quiet the rest of the time. Right. Like, oh. But with my son, I what I what I realized is that this is something that he needs. You know, and, and that's part of the reason that I have been, you know, talking about, you know, possibly even moving back down to Louisiana. Is one of the things that I ran into when I went down there um a, a few times now is when I'm there, he'll listen to me. Mm-hmm. He'll listen. You know, I mean, like they'll they'll tell him to do something. He get a little attitude. No, blah, 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 blah. and but when I get to the and you know, Quran, look, mm-hmm. do the you know what I'm saying. I ain't got to scream loud. I just but it was like that with her daughter. Mm-hmm. Like with her daughter, she would tell her to do stuff and tell her to do stuff and tell her to do stuff. She wouldn't do that. It would be a situation where they end up fist fighting. All the time, yeah. you know. Yeah. I'm sick of you and your attitude. You know that he, she in there fighting, Put, being able to co-parent, but draw those distinct lines is the key. You have to be able to do that. You have oh, to draw yeah. a line in the sand, and you know, actually take control of you know your interactions with your children. Exactly, and. Sometimes a co-parenting situation, we get the lines get blurred because one parent thinks they have, you know, more access and more say so over your life um, that has nothing to do with you being a parent, you know, and I would I would lean to say that's more on the. um. Well, I ain't going to say which side because male and females do this. A, a lot of times women feel like they have, you know, say so over who the man is dating and what he's doing with his life. And then the men feel like they have the same say so over who the woman is dating and what she's doing with her life. And it's like, if none of that stuff is your business, I mean, you do want to know that the person that you're, you know, um, you're co-parenting with that whoever they're dating is nobody that's unsafe for your child to be around. Yeah. But as their relationship goes and, and stuff like that, that's, that's, you're getting too much into 
that's not none of your business. Well, you know what? I, I, I have a slightly different view on that. Not necessarily that it's not my business, but when when my ex-wife and I split up and we started, you know, dating other people, one of the things that we wanted to make sure of is that, you know, and we talked about this before, is that, you know, oh, well, I'm not going to introduce no raggedy woman to my children unless, you know, this woman is the woman I'm going to be with, <laughs> you know. Uh, with that being said, I do feel like I want to know what's happening in my son's mom's life. Um, not to get into a lot of detail, but there was an incident recently where some things that she had going on in her life was affecting where my son was going to be able to lay his head. And as a parent, you know, I understand. I want you to, you know, do what you do, make sure everything's good as long as you take care of my son. But as long as you take care of my son and there's no issues with him being out on the street. Or being, you know, all that kind of stuff. So if that ever comes to pass, then I'd make it, you know, I need to make sure that I make it my business to know your business. Not necessarily right. all your ins and outs and all that kind of stuff. But if you got issues on your job, I need to know. If you got issues, you know, with the neighbor up the street and y'all was fighting and all that kind of stuff, I need to know because at the end of the day, my son has to come home to this. So it may not have nothing to do with me, but it's going to have everything to do with him. And as his father, I need to make sure that I know what's going on because I can't, you know, I'm already at a disadvantage of co-parenting being so far away. I'm at a bigger disadvantage when I'm not aware of other issues that may, you know, jeopardize him being able to have a roof over his head. Or, you know, yeah. being able to come home to safety instead of come home to drama and possible violence. So those are things that I need to know. So I, I say as 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 a parent, as a co-parent, you you definitely want to keep the, the lines of communication open. You don't necessarily have to be your mom, your your um your baby mama or your baby daddy best friend. But you do need to be able to communicate with them and at least talk to them at least have a relationship with them to where you can discuss things that are going on in their life. Because ultimately what's going on in their life does affect your child's life. Right. Right. And then that, that goes to, that goes to, you know, that person, if whatever they want to share, whatever they feel like sharing, right. um, you can't, you can't push the boundaries and and tell them I need to know more. You know, it's up to them how much they want to share. Right, um, right, right, right. You have to have that mutual respect and understanding that, you know, I do trust you enough to believe that you're not going to do anything to jeopardize the well-being of my child. Now, if I see, you know, mm -hmm. if I see evidence that you're not holding that up, then I will, you know, take steps to do other things. But as long as I have reasonable belief to know that you are, um, you know, putting our child's safety and well-being, uh, you know, as priority, then I don't need to know more than you want me to know. 
Right, right, right. You know, and I ain't telling you to get all up in your people business. Don't get me wrong, but I definitely know. don't get in no I any of my exes, I don't know to, I don't know to this day who they're dating. I don't know who they're dating. I don't I don't know anything about all I know is they do what they're supposed to do for their child and that's all I need to know. Mm-hmm. If, uh, as long as my child don't come back from being around you a nervous wreck or if they don't come back depressed if they don't come back upset if they don't come back telling me you know something went on when i was with my daddy as long as none of that happens i'm cool yeah yeah i remember when i was a little boy that uh you know when my dad finally you know had kind of started bringing us around or whatever um he was dating, and it seemed like every time we went over to his house, he was had another woman over there. And hmm. but my mom was like, "Okay, well y'all can go spend the night over there." So every time we went over there, it seemed like there was something wrong with one of the women that we ended up being like, "Mama, we got to come home." Mama, we got to come home. This happened all of like four times. Wrong with him? Like what? Well, what? Well, one. <laughs> What I remember, I was little now. I was like maybe five or six. But one I remember distinctly that, you know, me and my brother, we were like racing on the floor and rolling on the floor and all that kind of stuff. And my and my dad's girlfriend was like, oh, I think he was trying to look up my dress. I need huh? to get him out of there. And, uh, just, just crazy stuff. <laughs> I was like, look under your dress. What are you talking about? You know, but Anyway, so my so mom she didn't like, really want y'all there. Yeah, so my mom had to get the ultimatum out. She was like, okay, so my kids ain't coming over there. They're not. And the reason why they're not coming over there is because they don't feel very comfortable with whoever you have over there. Right. So here's the rule going forward. Until you decide to marry one of these heifers, my children ain't coming over there to stay with you if you're going to have one of these little sleazy things up in your house. Wow. And sure enough, that's <laughs> exactly what happened. You know, you can't, your kids are going to let you know if there's a problem. That's very true. You know, right. you do, you do want to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, sometimes you get like, I was scared. I didn't know. I thought I was going to be in trouble for doing something I didn't even do. Yeah. You know, but that's, that's what you did. Especially, I think also the maturity of the child comes into play too. Because you can't rely on little kids to tell you everything that happened. Right, right. You know, because daddy might be like, you tell your mom, I'm going to whoop your butt. You know, yeah. or something like that. You know, your older kids, they'll they'll be able to tell you. But, you know, you, you definitely want to watch who your child is interacting with. You know, if, if you sending them over there to, you know, daddy's house or you send them to mom's house, and you know that that mama boyfriend smoke. I don't want no smoke around my son. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. different things like that. So there, there are times when you 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 need to be a little bit more cognizant of things that are going on in your your ex's space. You know, but like you said, you don't necessarily need to get in their business. You don't need to know everything. You just need to know that whatever is going on is at least safe and comfortable for your child, you know, to an environment for them to be in. Right, right. I mean, if 
if they start, if their behavior starts to change, if they're like, I, I, I don't want to go over there no more. And you know, they usually love going over there. Um, you know, when they come back, they're, they're, they're in a totally different mindset or they, they acting funny, they're acting weird. I used to notice that like when my son was younger, when he, when his daddy would bring him back, he would be acting different. And I would talk to him all the time, but I figured out it was because, you know, he kind of felt the tension. Um, I'm, I'm not knowing what, what they're saying when he's over there, but he kind of felt like he was being, when he goes to his daddy house and come back, he felt like he had been disloyal to me. Mm. And when he want to go over there, he felt like, you know, being disloyal to him. And so I had to sit him down and be like, you know, you, you don't have to feel bad when you go by your daddy house. I'm not mad at you when you go by your daddy house. Right. Don't you ever, ever feel like I don't want you to go over there or I'm mad at you because you want to go over there. You're supposed to want to go over there. Right. But that goes back to what we were talking about initially, the whole thing about the, you know, about co-parenting with somebody that's toxic, you know, mm-hmm. They can, and especially somebody who's a narcissist, they can imprint that that attitude, that feeling in that child. Like, you know, if I enjoy myself while I'm at dad's house, that's going to make mom mad. Right, right. That's disappointing to mom because mom's a narcissist and mom is fed the child or dad is fed the child so much, you know, that they're like, you know, okay, well, you know, I, they feel like they got to take sides. Right, you know, right. And I didn't like him feeling like that. Your child should never feel like that. Your child, right. even in a scenario where, you know, there was a divorce or there was, you know, just a bad breakup, your child should never feel like they're taking sides between you and the other co-parent. I don't care how much you don't like this heifer, she cheated on you, or I don't care how many times or how many, you know, condoms you found in this boy pockets or all this yeah. kind of stuff. When y'all are dealing with that child, that's something you were doing together, whether you like it or not. So whether you like it or not, y'all are both playing for the same team. And that is the team that's going to be raising this child to be what he's supposed to be. So, you know, you can't you you can't try to bias a child's opinion, you know, one way or another or another about the other parent. And not in a lot of narcissist parents do that. They will, oh, yeah. you know, continue to imprint that your daddy ain't nothing or your mom mm-hmm. ain't nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they, you know what? If he loved you, he wouldn't have left. Uh, you know, what I'm saying? Good. all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we just, he just left us. Uh, she just, she sick, don't care sick. about you. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And all that's doing is just coloring that child's viewpoint on how they feel about the other parent. And next thing you know, you're going to have that tug of war going on. If I enjoy being around my dad, and this is really poignant with little boys, and that's a big deal, especially in the black community. How many little boys out there that come from single-parent homes have a disdain for their father? It's, it's, you know, and it's 
a lot of times, and not saying that there's a whole lot of, you know, black women who are, you know, toxic and narcissistic, but saying that just those little words of, you know, discouragement about Mm -hmm. liking your father or being around your father have a huge impact on a child's viewpoint on their father, especially little boys. Because little boys, they will feel like they're betraying their mom if they like being around their dad, which they should like being around their dad because he's another male. He's a male figure, and that's what you as a male learn from. You know, you you feel I've I've known I have friends of mine who've gone through that and have been and you know, one of my friends, as a matter of fact, um John, he was like, you know it took me a while to appreciate my dad. It took me a while to, you know, because I was always under the impression that, you know, my dad just left us and, you know, we were, you know, in a bad position because of him. And I wasn't supposed to learn anything from him. I wasn't supposed to act like him. I wasn't supposed to do anything like him, but, You know, as I got older, I realized that, you know, my dad was everything that I would want to be as a man. You know, he had a bad incident. He had a bad relationship with my mom, but that didn't make him a bad man. You know, that's the the real weight of being in a narcissistic and toxic co-parenting relationship is that you're going to have the victim at the end be the kid because they, they are being forced to choose between, you know, doing what one parent says and doing what the other parent says. And there should never be any type of disagreement as far as like when it comes to what that child is, you know, when you're raising that child or how you're raising that child, there could be disagreements, but that child doesn't need to know. (laughs) <laughs> there should you, you should not be enemies. You should be at least on the same team when you're co-parenting. Right. So I would I would caution any parent, mother or father, um that that thing can always backfire fire on you. And yeah. it, it, that actually happened to me because in my dad's absence, even though it was his choice to be absent, but I didn't want to have to hear from my mom all the time about, you know, why he wasn't coming around or how no good he was. I didn't want to have, I didn't want to hear that. Right. You know, and that's for any parent, even though whatever he did or whatever she did, um, your child doesn't want to hear that because they always want the love of the absent parent. And then you're speaking negatively about that parent will set up resentment towards you. I had resentment towards my mom because she always spoke negative about my dad and he wasn't there to give me his side of the story. So that thing can always backfire on you. So never, I I made it my business to never do that to my sons. I made it my business that when you get old enough, you will get to see who your daddy is on your own. Right, right. Thing that I'm going to tell you. Right, and that's you know, and, and, and I think that's that's a, that's a real important way of that's a really good way of handling it. 
Um, you know, let them see for themselves. You know, let, let them experience it for themselves. Don't color their opinion, you know, when they're, you know, two, three years old, six years old, eight years old about what their parents are and how their parents are or whatever. Don't, don't paint that picture that, you know, they ain't nothing, they ain't this, they ain't that. You know, let them, uh, you know, just don't speak negatively on them. Just allow them to see it for themselves as they get older and they can become more cognizant of what a real parent is supposed to be. You know, um, I know too many, you know, young ladies who, and, and, and it seems like I'm harping on the young ladies because they, nine times out of 10, in a custody situation, they'll have custody of the kids. Um, but I see that a lot where they'll just be like, you know, like I say, your dad ain't this, your dad ain't that, blah, blah, blah. You hear that from the time you're two to you're 10. Guess what that 10 year old is going to feel about their daddy. Mm -hmm. And then there's not a whole lot that their daddy can do to reverse that, (laughs) you know? I mean, you know, I'll let you go to your daddy's house this weekend, but just remember your daddy ain't this. Hmm. You know, so how how are they supposed to feel when they become 15 years old, when they become 16 years old? You know, I mean, it's you you can't counteract any goodwill that's going on by the other co-parent by being negative, you know, when it comes to the kids. You can't do right. it. Exactly. Well, dope, dope discussion, listeners. I thank y'all so much for sticking around with us this long. I know y'all enjoyed the uh, this episode. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed this episode y'all as much as had enjoyed this episode. We covered over there, ripping all them fake beards <laughs> off y'all face. Oh, whatever, <laughs> man. 